Lisa Corduff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. Twenty twenty one. How are we here? How did that happen? It has been a little minute since I recorded a podcast episode, and thank you for your patience. Or maybe you weren't patient at all. Maybe you've been saying, "Hurry up, Lisa! Get back to the microphone and record me some content." I get that too. Uh, but you know what? I appreciate anyone who has stuck around uh, throughout 2020, especially, uh, because what a year that was for all of us. And I know we each have our personal experiences of 2020. And I thought that to come back to the podcast, I would actually share with you my my experience of what now that I look back on it was actually quite a well it was a heavy sort of dark year and this isn't a a story of of woe at all <laughs> um, on the contrary it was a year of extraordinary growth even although it felt muddy a lot of the time some beautiful things happened in 2020. Some really hard things happened in 2020. But I've gathered together some key lessons that I learned in particular and just thought I'd share them with you as a bit of a welcome back. Um, Let's do this thing again. Um, And I thought, I have shared this on socials, but I thought I would share that, you know, each year I, I pick a word. Or in the case of this year, I've picked three. But last year, there was one word, one word that felt really expansive. It felt perfect for the stage of life that I was in. On the back of, in 2019, what was a pretty tough year where I'd experienced marriage separation, I began my my journey of solo parenting, and we lost Nick, who was my husband, uh, my partner for 16 years, and the father of my three children. That was a year, you guys, like so much happened. And and a lot of what happened last year is as a result of that really big, momentous 2019. At the start of 2020, I chose the word bloom because I thought, you know, I've experienced these hard times. It's ready. I'm ready to open up. I'm ready to flower. I'm ready for springtime. I'm ready for the, for the dark days to be gone. (laughs) And, um, and you think about like so many of us who experienced lockdown. I live here in Melbourne. If you're only just new around here, I live in Melbourne. So we had a really, we had extended and really tough lockdowns. Now, I know that speaking about this in 2021 after going on a family holiday 
interstate, mind you, uh, like leaving our city, leaving our postcode. We're so lucky compared to so many people around the world. And I really want to share that I, I really know that. And so many of you are still going through really, really tough restrictions in different places in the world. And my heart goes out to you. Who knows what this year is going to bring in terms of COVID and, you know, rolling out of all sorts of different things. I mean, you know, we're absolutely not through the woods. There is so much change still to come on the back of this. But my 2020 was my 2020 and I know you had yours too. And we experienced it collectively in a way that I've, I've never really felt before, but I can imagine was maybe similar to to people having lived through wartime experiences and, and stuff like that, where there is a collective story of what's going on here and and our lives changing in certain ways because of it. But in the background, there was there was this Lisa ready to bloom. <laughs> it was going to be the year where we took this online business into real life settings. Uh, you know, we were sussing out retreat venues, live event venues. Uh, I wanted to meet you all. I wanted to be on stage and sharing and connecting. And, and I was ready to go. And, and that, um, was taken away. And what I was instead faced with, as many of us were, was myself, a lot of myself, a lot of my four walls, a lot of my children, uh, a lot of monotony, uh, boredom for sure. And this blooming, it didn't feel like that's what was happening at all. Last year, I had to really face my grief. I, I, ha- I couldn't distract myself from it anymore. Gee, I really had tried or, oh, you know what? I don't even know if it was about that. I think, yes, I was, I'm absolutely the queen of, you know, being able to distract myself out of certain things and, yeah, naturally look for, for positives and ways to feel good. Uh, but I knew something inside me was saying, we want to be done. And we're certainly not done here. I I was in, you know, after Nick died, I was most certainly in parenting overdrive. I was was in caretaking mode. You know, my little babes had lost their dad and I had to to keep things rolling. I just, I look back on it now. It was September 2019. I look back at that time now and I think, I was really trying to keep my head above water and I thought I had already done a lot of grieving for this beautiful man that I had married um, and I hadn't. <laughs> I had not. I had not. I was grieving him. I wasn't grieving the man um, and the the terrible, uh, tragic loss of his life. Um I wasn't allowing myself to go there because it's really hard. It felt like torture. It felt like torture to sink into the pain of um, of his death. 
But in 2020, I went there. I went there because there were certain doors that were starting to open in my life and and I didn't feel able to walk through them. There was also just this constant level of of trying to distract myself and running and just trying to look another way. And that gets exhausting in itself, almost more exhausting than having to go there. I felt I needed to honour him and myself and what we had created by actually grieving it. And what I realised, you know, my biggest lesson really was that I chose to bloom. I set my intention to bloom and I was never, ever going to be able to until I had like felt the rain, until I'd let, like I needed the storm, I needed the winter, I needed to be drenched, I needed to feel the coldness of aloneness, I needed to get used to that. I needed to process, oh, God, I thought I'd done enough. I kept feeling kind of <laughs> cross that there was more more to do and it's still not ended. It, I'm not too sure when it will. But but in, in 2020, I learned that if we want our fullest life, that we can't run from, from the hard things. And, and I was in it and I needed, you know, it needed to be acknowledged. I needed to acknowledge what I'd been through. I actually needed to stop and look at it. And (laughs) not only that, I needed to acknowledge and embody all the emotion that came with that so that it could move through me, so that I wasn't holding on, so that I wasn't creating disease in my body, so that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't holding on to energy that needed to be shifted to make room for the bloom. And I didn't want to, I'll be honest. (laughs) it really felt torturous to feel all the feelings. I I really have to say it felt like, you know, uh, is it possible? Is it possible to feel any worse? I don't want to go there. And every time I did, I felt better, weirdly, after it. In isolation, and lockdown, it was a scary thing to do, to really let myself go. Uh, and I did it in many different ways. Um, but while I say I was in isolation, I had support. I, I had people who were supporting me through this. You know, even just we had to do the first Father's Day and the one-year anniversary of his death you know, on our own. And I had people around me softening that and supporting supporting us all. Get support for yourself if you decide to 
be with things that need to be processed. I certainly needed that um, because it can be a, it can feel like you're dropping and like there's no, there's nothing at the bottom. You don't know when you're going to reach the moment where your feet hit the ground. So I had people around me reminding me <laughs> of that. I also had three amazing children who were grounding me every day. And I really sank into that. And on the kids, you know, this is a really big lesson that came out of that year is that I've never tried to shield them. I basically can't. I cry all the time. Like I just cry for the happy things, <laughs> the movies, the, you know, and sad things. But I had to really be okay with my kids seeing me struggle. And the beautiful thing that came out of, of, of that was I recognized that, you know, I didn't have to make it okay for them because it's going to bring up uncomfortable things. No one wants to see their mum crying or, you know, gosh, I remember the time when I was just in bed and I really couldn't sort of get out of bed. I just, and the day turned into night and I went downstairs eventually and there were no lights on. They were just sort of on their screens. And I thought, oh, man. <laughs> oh, Lisa. And I said to them, you guys, I've had a really tough afternoon. I feel really, really sad and you need to get off your screens now. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this. And what it did was it was I was able to open up to them and give them language and examples of what it looks like to process emotions. And in turn, what it's given them is permission to feel their own express their own. No emotion is off the table in this house. No emotion is labeled bad. Feeling sad isn't bad because we would talk about how when our emotions come up, they're trying to tell us something. And if we can just feel the emotion, whatever it is, then, then we're doing a good thing for our body. Our body gets to feel the emotion and then and then we don't feel the emotion anymore and and you know if we pay attention there's always something really cool there so i would tell them i'm feeling like this because i loved your dad so much i'm feeling this because i miss him and when we love people and they're not around anymore we miss them and they'd say, yeah, yeah, I feel that too. And it would give them permission to talk about something. And I feel like as my children get older, now they're 10, 8 and 6, it's a beautiful thing for us to have language around feeling express and expressing emotion. You know, I'm a, I, I can be quite loud sometimes. I think I can also be like I was labelled an emotional person and loud, like, you know, someone who kind of just like piped down a little bit, Lisa. 
And, and there's something that happens when that's our message. And for sure, uh, it's definitely something that's crept into my subconscious is, you know, over being overly expressive <laughs> isn't necessarily a good thing. Hmm. And now I, now I disagree. And now I want to give my kids permission to take up space with their emotions, to have a safe space to process them, talk about them. That sometimes we want to do it by ourselves and quietly. Sometimes we need to reach out to friends. Sometimes our brothers and sisters are our best people. Sometimes our parents. But having someone that we know we can talk to is so important. It was a really, really great lesson in showing humanity to my children and having my moments be, I guess, learning moments for them and examples that you can feel hard things and you can, you can be okay, that it's actually normal. So another lesson <laughs> was I remember a friend of mine saying to me that a therapist had said to her after she'd um, been healing from a very um, toxic and abusive relationship actually that she had left and she knew that she needed to to process some stuff. She didn't want to go there either, but she committed. She committed to therapy once a week and she went to all the hard places and she really retreated and, you know, she explored many aspects of herself, her past, you know, what she'd just been through and, you know, moving forward. And the therapist said to her at one stage, you know, you're, you're done now. You are, you are like welcome in the joy now. It's okay. So I learned it's okay to get to a place where you're like, I could literally go over and over and over and over this forever. I could stay here, sit in this energy, marinate for the rest of my life, ask what ifs, live, like have my attention be on the past and so not move forward. But it's okay to know when there's been enough healing for now and that you can just go out and get it, like get life. And I, and I feel I, I really gave myself permission to go there and recently I've given myself permission to come out of it, that it's okay, Lisa. This is like you are not like, <laughs> you know, we're never a, a full, complete completely done on this journey of, you know, our own personal evolution because we're changing all the time. But it's okay to be done for a while with being in those those heavy spaces. It's okay to seek out lightness and joy. I mean, I was doing that while I was going through the hard things anyway. It's like my default position. I don't, I do think, you know, and I have shared this many times before that grief and joy can coexist and do coexist. And children are the most amazing example of that. Um, but I 
also can choose to shift my attention from from being in that to being somewhere else. And it's a beautiful thing when you know you can do that. And I also know that I don't struggle with mental health issues and so something like that is it's easier for someone like me. And I guess the last lesson, well, it was many, (laughs) but the last one that I'm going to share with you is that I think we're richer for these darker moments. I think what 2020 did, really sort of having to go there, was now my fabric is stitched a little differently. And it's made me something that I wasn't before. I am now, I mean, I have a, a depth even to myself that I know exists and that I know I can access and I know I can come back from. I mean, that's, that's a gift right there <laughs> that I can do hard things. It's almost like living it was hard, processing it, not harder but kind of. Like it's actually, I really didn't find it an easy thing to do. Anyone who has experienced something similar knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's an autopilot that happens in the crisis moments. There's a a level of distraction that the day-to-day can give you. That distraction was taken away in 2020. (laughs) But I'm more empathetic now. I can can help people in a way that I couldn't before because I'd never experienced what I experienced in 2020. I can recognize when I'm in distraction mode now because I know that there's another way to be. It's a different fabric. It's, it literally has different stitches, same thread. It's still me. And, and, and we, we, we all have these times in our lives. You know, I mean, motherhood, stitches, very different. Like we're starting to, it's a whole new fabric right there still us, but different. And it's all, it's all growth. It's all evolving us. It's all beautiful lessons. It's all just more of our beingness. And I'm here for the lessons. I'm also now here to live in the present. And Knowing that that blooming that I was wanting, wow, it's right on time. And it wasn't possible without me going where I had to go. I mean, we're just a part of nature. Of course I was going to have to have some time to process what the hell happened to my life. Of course, who was I even fooling that it was just going to go, I was just going to bound 
right out of that. I mean, come on. And I guess it was it was seeing our chiropractor last week and she was like, your energy has really shifted, Lisa. I'm like, what? And uh, she said it was pretty heavy last year. I thought, yeah, no shit. <laughs> but I think that was also helped by what has happened in the last two months, which I will be exploring on the next episode with you. So I'll see you there. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode.